You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Having said all that, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. This is where I started with Isaiah and Ecclesiastes uh, 1.9, another scripture in Ecclesiastes. This is where I started this series called the American Revelation. And if you haven't heard uh, the, the parts before, you need to go back and watch it because I'm not going to go over every bit of it. But I do want to talk about how we started it because this is the last one in this series. I could go another eight, nine weeks on this topic. I just don't have time to do that. But this is the last one, and we're going to end with the seven churches. But it says this. Declaring the end from the beginning. What does that mean? And why does it say it several times in the Bible? He said, the the beginning in Genesis declares the end, what's coming in Revelations. Except, he says in Ecclesiastes, it's going to be bigger, better, more dramatic. I mean, everything's going to be much more serious that it's going to be more of a, like, the beginning was awesome, Genesis was awesome, and it declares what's coming in Revelation, except it's going to be at a whole nother level. It's the difference between paradise in Genesis 1-2 in the creation story and heaven in Genesis 22 and 21. I mean, there's a huge difference between those two places. Both of them beautiful, both of them created by God. One's called paradise, one's called heaven. You know, and so where there is no devil. There was a devil in paradise, but there won't be a devil in heaven. And heaven's at a whole nother level. And so that's what God's talking about. And he says that what I spoke about in Genesis, in reverse order, speaks in Revelations. So Genesis starts 1 and 2, creation, Revelation, or with paradise, Revelation ends with heaven in the last two chapters, 22 and 21. So Revelations goes from the last books of Revelation to the first book, Genesis goes from the first book to the last book. And exact, they're a mirror image of, it, of each other. If you were counting, you'd say in Genesis it went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. And then Revelation starts with 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Backwards. Backwards. And they're a mirror image of each other, Genesis and Revelations. And so we talked about some of the sequences. We talked about the, the paradise sequence, which compares paradise Eden, uh, the Garden of Eden to heaven. And then we talked about the, the rise of the Antichrist, which is Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel because Abel worshipped God. Cain didn't want to worship God. He offered a sorry, he offered his leftovers and said, I'm saving the best for me. So what did Cain say? He said the exact same thing Lucifer said, the exact same thing he said to Eve. You will be like the Most High God. You deserve the best. Abel said, God deserves my all and my best. That right then was the rise of the Antichrist right then in Cain. In Cain, the rise of the Antichrist. And the spirit of the Antichrist left with Cain. When he kicked him out, Cain went and started spreading. That's how we got all these crazy cultures around the world because Cain's relatives, they started, they went to Asia in North America, Central America, South America, Africa, India. That's why these places are still like that because the spirit of the Antichrist spread idol worship, the worship of everything except the one true God, murder, deception, Evil governments. That's why some of these governments go from, because they've never truly repented, they've never truly stood up and said, man, we repent for all the idol worship. 
And we repent for all the sins of our nation. If someone would do that and then, then pronounce that Jesus is the Lord of that nation and take authority over the evil influences and, and let God deliver them from their past, these nations in Central and South America, Africa, India, all these other places, Asia, would not go from one two-bit dictator to another. They just go from one thing evil to the next because of the, the spirit of the Antichrist on Cain. Our nation was founded to honor the Lord. They didn't do everything right. I said they didn't do everything right, but they spread the gospel. That was right. And then they corrected wrongs that they had committed. That's what Christians do. We don't do everything right, but we correct wrongs when we face them. Amen? That's what our nation has done. And so anyway, God goes on to say that in from ancient times, these things are not yet done. So he's saying ancient times speak of what is coming in the future. So that's why Jesus said the last day is going to be like the days of Noah. So he spoke about the last days like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot. And so we see the sequence. We see the paradise sequence. Then we see the Antichrist sequence. And then we see Noah, the Noah sequence, which is the, what's talked about, in Reve, I believe, in Revelations chapter 4, which is the rapture or the takeaway of the church out of the world before the wrath of God falls. The next sequence is the Abraham sequence where all eyes are focused on two things, the Antichrist and Israel. That's why chapters 5 all the way to 18 are focused all those descriptions, all those things are talking about the false religion, the false prophet, the false God, the Antichrist, and, and then Israel. Because when we're out of here, all focus is going to go to the nation. Focus is now on Israel, but all focus will go to the nation of Israel. Because Satan doesn't want, he's not going to attack us anymore. We're gone. The church is gone. So the only other uh, people that have any kind of covenant with God, an old covenant, is the Jews. And they don't know Jesus is Lord, so he's going to go after them hard. And so you see in the rest of those chapters, the Abraham sequence, Abraham comes after Noah. Matter of fact, many people believe that Abraham knew Noah because they lived so long an age that those, those families overlapped. But Abraham now becomes, is called out to become the nation of the Jews. God said, I'm going to build a nation out of you. It's the Jewish nation. And so the rest of the chapter and the rest of Genesis, the focus is on the Jews and the Antichrist constantly messing with them. And that's why the rest of those chapters are like that. It's just like that. The Jews, it's the, all these sequences in reverse order are happening in the book of Revelations. And so that's, that's the sequence of Revelations. I can't go any deeper into some of the other things, but I am going to talk about what happens to churches? We, we're going to go to, back to the seven churches, and I'm going to ask you here in just a moment in the back to, to, to put up. I promised I'd show you what all those other churches look like, and so uh, we're going to do that. We're going to put them up, up on the screen, and I'm going to show you what all those churches look like, and let me find my notes. And so, uh, golly, I'm missing a page. Uh, Dyke, you might have to go out there and, and find, go back in the back. No, I found it. No, I didn't. I don't know what I did with it. Um, and see if I left a page in blue ink back there. But uh, my notes look like a John Madden uh, play scribble. You can't read them. People ask me, can I see your notes? I'm like, mm. no, nah, I don't think you could decipher them. 
but I have another page of notes. But anyway, I promised you I'd show you the churches, so we're going to start with Ephesus. We're going to put Ephesus up on the screen, and uh, then we'll go through them, the pictures of them. But we're going to go through all of them. And we looked at Ephesus at one time, and you could see it was a, it, I, I don't know what I expected. I think I expected, these are the seven churches listed in Revelations chapter 3, 2, and 3. And so, uh, and, and this is the, the, who Jesus is and who, what the church's response to him is, is the two most important things in the book of Revelation. Not the Antichrist, not, not all that other stuff. Those are the two main things is Jesus and his bride. And this is what happens when the bride stops doing what it was supposed to do. And I was in Europe in October. Julie and I were in Italy, and we saw church after church that once used to be thriving that is now basically a museum piece. One after another, after another, after another. We're seeing churches close their doors in America one after another, after another, after another. And unfortunately, a lot of them are selling to occults and different things, and it's just crazy what they're willing to do for money. And so anyway, this is what emphasis looked like. Now let's go to Smyrna, the church of Smyrna, talked about in the book of Revelations. That's what's left of Smyrna. See the pillars over to the far left and the ones uh, right in front, right in front of all the other pieces there. That's what's left of the church of Smyrna. You can tell these churches were massive and beautiful, and that's all that's left. Go to Pergama. Pergama had an amphitheater right there. That I don't know how many that seats and how many it's set in its heyday, but it looks like four or 5,000. It's massive. That's massive. And then you see the buildings behind to your right and how incredible those buildings are and how massive these structures are and how beautiful these churches once were. Next, next one. Let's go to Thyatira. Man, you, gosh, what a beautiful setting for a church. Looking at those mountains and those trees down in that valley, and that's what's left of Thyatira. The seven churches look, listed in the book of Revelation. Then we're in Sardis. That's what's left of Sardis. Hardly anything. Just a museum piece. Just rubble. That looks like it was built back on. I don't know when. But it's just it's non-existent. That church does not exist anymore. And then, then we have Philadelphia. That's the church of Philadelphia, brotherly love. You can see the pillars, how massive that structure must have been at one time and how beautiful that place is. It's amazing how beautiful and massive and incredible these church buildings were. And then the next one is Laodicea, the church that got apathetic. You see the beauty of that, the mountains and the valley. These are all in Turkey or Asia Minor. Uh, that, that was called Asia Minor at one time. It's the nation of Turkey now. In the nation of Turkey, you had all these massive, seven massive, thriving, thousands and thousands and thousands of people worshiping God all through Turkey. In the, in the, these were the biggest cities in Turkey at the time, and the Christian and the Christianity was thriving. Now 90% of Turkey is Sunni Muslim, and only 0.2% are Christians or other. 0.2% percent are Christians and other because these churches forgot who they were. And this is where it started. So if you will, go with me to uh, 1 Kings. Go with me to 1 Kings. I know Dyke's back there looking, and I don't know if he's going to find it or not. 1 Kings chapter 18. 
It's not back there? Okay. I got it somewhere here then. I don't know what I did with it, but I, oh, here it is. Sorry. I'm like the nutty professor, man. I, but anyway, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Why am I going there? Because something similar is happening in America right now. I told you this is American revelation. So I want to talk about what's happening in America and how, how revelation applies. So in order, for, in order for Satan, we talked about this the other day, in order for Satan to fill up the world and the Antichrist to rise to a place of power and prominence among many nations, he won't rule all nations, but he'll will rule, rule many nations, uh, uh, probably all the Western Europe and all the some very important nations he'll have great because he comes out of the old Roman Empire. He'll, he'll rule many nations and he'll have great influence over many nations. In order for him to rise and do even uh, something more serious and bigger than he ever has in the history of the world, uh, he has to first sweep the house clean. He has to remove any vestige of God, his word, and Christianity from every nation. And we know many of the European nations, Christianity doesn't exist. I didn't talk to anybody in Italy. I'm sure there's somebody there. I didn't talk to anybody in Italy that knew anything about the Word of God. Matter of fact, some of our curators, the people that we had individuals that showed Julie and I around that personally toured us, I talked to all of them about Christ. Man, they don't, and some of them went to church every Sunday, but they knew little of the Bible. They knew little of God's Word. Listen, if you don't know your Word, you can be easily deceived. And people, Satan quoted scripture to, to Jesus. He'll quote scripture to you, and then he'll twist it and make it to mean something that it doesn't mean because God said you have to take his full counsel, and people don't take the full counsel of God, so they take one scripture and turn it into their mantra, their belief system. That is so dangerous, and Satan will twist it. And Jesus had to quote scripture back to him to correct him on the meaning of the word. You have to know how to correct that when someone's telling you things that are false. And so, uh, anyway, he has to sweep clean Christianity so he can bring back, we know by Jesus' example, he said, this will happen in generations, this is coming. He has to sweep Christianity out, and when the house is swept clean, the demons that were there before come back, with, and it's seven times worse. We know this number seven is, means the number of completion, whatever it takes. He floods those areas with all kinds of demonic activity, and that's what he's done to our schools. That's what he's doing to our government. That's what he's doing on a regular basis to our whole society. Now he's trying to wipe Christianity out of business. Anything, you, can't, you can say anything except Jesus. You can talk about anything except Christianity. And so he's doing that so we can flood the earth with demonic activity so the Antichrist will rise. And here's what happened in Elijah's day. It's no different than what is happening today. Elijah's standing before the Jewish people, the men, and they're worshiping Baal, and they're in a seven-and-a-half-year drought, and Elijah says, hang on a second. He said, and Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Otherwise, how long, are, how long will you be till you decide what you believe? Then he gives them what the decision is. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. He said, there's only two options. You have Satan or you have God Almighty. That's the only choice. There's no in-between that's the only ch choice you have. Then he said what the people did. But the people answered him, not a word. And that's why those churches in Turkey are now rubble and museum pieces. Only 
places where Christians go to say, yeah, this was cool at one time. That's why churches are shutting down right and left around America because the pulpits have grown silent on the things of God and the people have grown silent. The cancel culture is only out to cancel the word of God in Christians. That's the, that's the number one place, the number one attack. Believe me, I've been, they, they say, send stuff to me all the time. They said I should have been fired when I stood up and talked about the, 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 the magistrate judge election. They said I should, they put a letter in the paper, I should be fired. The people of this church should fire me and run me out of town and shut me up. Shut me up. And that's what some have said to you. Like, you need to be quiet. You need to stop. You can't talk about that here. You can't talk about Jesus or Christianity here. And guys, you know, we don't beat people over the head with the word. We say, in love and truth, we speak. In love and truth. And I've said it. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. If there's not redemption, the grace, the love, the mercy, and the goodness of God preached, and the judgment of God preached, the truth of God, if they're both not preached, anything without one, if one is missing, if all they teach is judgment and legalism and religion, then they're counterfeit. If all they teach is God is love, God is love, God is love, then they're counterfeit because God is both. He's both. He's both Savior and judge. And this is what he said, my mercy triumphs over my judgment. I, I don't want, but he doesn't eliminate. He said, I lean in a scale. I, I, I scale it in your favor, but it doesn't eliminate my judgment. And we see in Revelations 9, uh, 20, at the end of 20, his judgment coming. His judgment, it's called the judgment day. And we see that happening in Revelations. Guys, that day is coming. That day is here. He's always passing judgment, always. Not just final judgment, but that day a final judgment is coming and he wants us that love him, that know his mercy, know his grace and understand that judgment is also coming. He wants us to speak. These people didn't say a word, not one word did they say. There were 400 plus prophets of Baal upon that platform and one Elijah. Can I tell you something? That's how outnumbered you'll be when you speak. You'll be outnumbered. But Elijah went against 450, 470 prophets of Baal by himself. But he knew one thing. If God be for me, who could be against me? One person that knows God is greater than 450, 470 worshipers of Satan any day of the week. And twice on Sunday. And he prayed a, a, a real sincere prayer. God, let them know you're the Lord. Revive your people. Save them. Stir them up to come back to you and worship you with all your, their heart. God said the two greatest commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's all. It's all. It's everything. And love others as you love yourself. If you truly love others the way you love yourself, the same things that people said to you that you came to know Jesus are the same things that you owe others. And what people said to me was, God loves you, Troy. He died to save you. He gave us all to save you. He's all in for you to be saved. He wants to save you, but you can't be saved from this judgment, from this condemnation. You can't be saved from that until you surrender your whole life to him. He gave his whole life for you. Now you have to give your whole life to him. He's not asking you to do something he has not already done.
for us. It's not an unequal relationship. It's unequal in the blessings and the, you know, all the stuff that God is so much greater than us. But he, he gave his all. He just asked us. He doesn't ask us to give what he gave. We can't. He just said, give your all. Give what you have. He said, then you'll be saved. Then you'll walk in my mercy, my grace, and my goodness. And only then. But we can't remain silent. We can't be, you can't remain silent and think you're going to be okay. There's a great book called The Letter to the American Church in which this, this guy very clearly takes the comparison between Germany, Nazi Germany, and what happened in the 30s. Hitler passed three, 400 laws before he ever attacked Poland in 39, before the war of War II ever started, before he ever did anything to the Jews. He enacted hundreds and hundreds of laws. What did they do? Take away the rights of the people. Just taking rights away, to removing freedom. He was a socialist. Hitler was a socialist. So that means that the government controls the means of production, controls energy, controls distribution, controls the church. The government is in charge. So the only difference between socialists and communists, socialists still believe that you can have some private property. Some. Communists believe there's no private property unless you're one of the leaders. Then you can have everything. Everybody else is a slave. That's how they believe. That's how it functions. And Hitler was a socialist, and, and that's exactly what's happening now is that the government is trying to seize control of all the, all the energy. They want to collapse the energy market so they can seize control. They're allowing our farms to be bought out by corporations and different things, and they're going to seize, they want to seize control of food. Listen, in the end times, we know that the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Who's going to control that? The government's the only one that can control that and demand that. They want to control all the, the Antichrist wants to control those means. The United Nations Charter right now says that there should be a one world government that, could, that distributes energy and distributes food, medicine, and that it needs to be equitable. Otherwise, we got to spread it around. That you can't have a three-bedroom house with two bathrooms when 80% of the world doesn't even have a bathroom. That you got to give up what you have to bless them or to give to them. And it sounds so cool. It sounds so right, except it violates the Word of God. The Bible says if a man don't work, he don't eat. That's New Testament. He wants us to be givers and generous, and we're the most generous nation on the planet ever that's ever existed. No one gives what we give. We give double, triple to the closest nations to us just in generosity, just in charity. We're unbelievable givers. Out of our prosperity, God wants us to bless. But listen, I remember Muhammad Ali got in big-time trouble for this. He said, if you take people with a ghetto mentality, a poverty mentality, and put them in a penthouse, high-rise apartment in Manhattan, they'll turn it into a ghetto overnight. This isn't a financial issue. This is a cultural issue. This is a thinking issue. This is a God-lordship issue. Any nation that he's the Lord of, they prosper like crazy. Because there's liberty where his spirit is freedom. Any nation where he's not, there's just this tyranny that exists in almost every place on the planet except the United States. We're, guys, I don't know if you realize, we're the last bastion of hope. 
and, and it's fading quickly here because people are staying quiet, silent, just like they did in Nazi Germany. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, a great pastor, he died in a, 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 in a concentration camp with the Jews. He died. He was killed there because he stood up as a pastor and said, hey, hold on a second, guys. There's 18,000 pastors and churches right now in Germany, and we need to stand up against Hitler and tell him, no way, you cannot run the church. We're not going to submit to the culture, nor are we going to submit to the government. Matter of fact, our job is to speak to the government and speak to the culture, not them to speak to us. And guess what those 18,000 pastors did? 12,000 of them said, no way, Jose. I'm too afraid. I don't want to get in trouble. It's too political. You're, too, you're a hothead. You're, you're too passionate. You're too this. You're too that. You're too extreme. And they yielded to Hitler, and Hitler took over those 12,000 churches like that. And they began to, to, have, to have the Nazi flag flown at the church. It was flown in the government and flown in the church. What are they flying now? The pride flag in the government and in the church. Many churches fly the, fly the pride flag. I never thought it would be homosexuality. I should have known. And sexual sin, because sexual sin is part of Baal worship and Ishtar worship. It's part of all, every demonic entity wants to have, wants to cut loose uh, sexuality in every form because lust has no bottom. It's a dungeon. It's a trap. It's evil. It will destroy your life. Lust will. Love won't, but lust will. And so, you know, it's released on us. And so instead of flying the Nazi flag, now they fly, fly the pride flag on the churches and in the government. Government buildings all over. I've seen them in Denver. Multiple government buildings flying the pride flag. Multiple churches flying the pride flag. It's the same thing in Nazi Germany. They're passing law after law after law right now, removing and removing our rights. And demonizing, not the Jews like they did in Germany, but the Christians. Demonizing us. Guys, we, there's a parallel here. And so 6,000 churches stood up, and then the Nazis put pressure on them. That went down to 3,000 caved immediately. Pastors did. As soon as they put some pressure on them. I'm going to say something to you, church. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Remember, I've said this. They can come at the government, whoever, can come after all these buildings. But they will, I will hold church in the park at 30 below on a Sunday in the winter before I will shut up and quit preaching the word. So after they went after the 3,000 pastors, it whittled down to 700, and only 700 wouldn't shut up. Went from, went from 18,000 to 6, 6 to 3, and then 3 to 700 were arrested. Out of those 700, many of them folded when they got arrested. Said it wasn't worth it. 65 to 80 million people dead later in less than four years, less than five years. Those pastors and those churches could have changed that almost immediately in Germany if they would have stood up and said, hold on a second. Doesn't, I don't matter what you, doesn't care what your opinion is of this, that, or another thing. Only matters what God's opinion is. And that comes from only one source. That's the Bible. This is the infallible, holy word of God. It has no error in it. It's perfect in all. And if it's not that, then it's nothing. 
It's either that or nothing. These pastors that teach, I think it's good. I think some of it's inspired by God, but some of it's, you know, just guys talking and Paul and Peter, you know, they disagree and blah, 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 blah. They have all these things they say. All they're doing is attacking the word of God saying it's not holy, it's not infallible. And once you get there, once you get there, anything, once truth is, absolute truth is eliminated, then it's just my truth, your truth, my opinion, your opinion, then mankind does whatever they want, when they want, how they want. And that's exactly what's taking place. And the pastors have grown silent because they're afraid. They're afraid of their own people, that people will leave, quit tithing. They're afraid to call people, uh, call uh, not individually necessarily, but call people as groups out and say, this is wrong, this is right. They're afraid of the abortion issue. They're afraid of the LGBTQ community. They're afraid of Facebook. They're afraid of YouTube. They're afraid of this. They're afraid of culture. They're afraid of people. And out of that fear, they shut up. And then, then they use the excuses. Oh, he's too political. He's just political. That's exactly what these pastors in Germany said. Bonhoeffer and that group are too political. Tell that to John the Baptist. John the Baptist called out the king, the government, and said, you're in sin, you're sleeping with your brother's uh, wife, and you're in sin, and you got to stop. He did it publicly, he called him out publicly. And they beheaded John, and John didn't repent, nor Jesus rebuke him for calling out the government for being in sin. Tell Jesus. He looked at the Pharisees and said, point blank, you're snakes and vipers. This is the leaders of the Jewish nation right now. You're snakes and vipers. He said, you have a father. Your father's the devil. He's a murderer and a liar. He's the father of lies, and he's been a murderer from the beginning, and you're just like him. Tell that to Jesus when he turned the tables over, fashioned a whip, and beat them, beat these guys out of the outer court. Man, you're talking about toxic masculinity. This culture would freak out. When men rise up, I'm not talking about men that are too big dictators, cheat on their wives and are abusive. I'm talking about real men that are masculine servants of the Most High God. Those men I celebrate. Those men I celebrate. Those are the men we celebrate. They, they protect, they serve their wives. They lead their families. They love their children. They love their church. They love their city. They love people. They love God. But they're not wimps. They're not panty waste. They're not sissies. And they're not feminine. They're masculine males. Children and sons of the Most High God. They didn't stand up in Nazi Germany. And evil prevailed. And if we don't stand up now, if we don't support pastors and churches around our nation, we're not the only church, but if we don't support them and encourage them, and they can't be counterfeit, you're counterfeit Christian or church if you only preach judgment and law. You're counterfeit. If you only preach grace and mercy, you're counterfeit. In order for a coin or a dollar bill or $20 bill to be a proper currency, it has to be printed authentically printed on both sides. You have to preach grace and mercy, the love of God, and also the judgment of God. That's the only way a Christian or a person or a church is not counterfeit. Everything else is counterfeit. Point blank, no apologies. That's what the Bible says, is counterfeit. You have to preach both. You have to share both. The truth in love. 
That's how you're not counterfeit. That's how you're not counterfeit. Everything else is counterfeit. And the churches in Nazi Germany refused. And they whittled it down. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, I, this is what he said. He said, I, I, I don't know what to do about the body of Christ. These people don't listen. So he joined, he plotted, he was one of the planners of what they made with Tom Cruise, a movie called Volkery. Bonhoeffer and pastors led the way to plot and plan. There's one scene in the whole movie because they want to take every Christian out of it because it was the Christian pastors, just a handful of them left, that stood up and said, we're going to take Hitler out, and they plotted to kill him. Diedrich said, I've done all I know to do. He's murdering millions. I got it. I, 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 he's like, God, they don't listen. I'm going to do, I'm going to act. That's how he ended up in a dying in a concentration camp. Listen, the time now is to speak. There might be a season to act. But the time now is to pray and speak and stand and say, hold on a second. We're not letting you drive the Bible and Christianity out of the schools. You, you can let it all be spoken of. But it's everything but Jesus. Because it rebukes and rebuts the word of the enemy. Everything but Jesus can be spoken of. Everything but Jesus. We can't stay silent. We can't stay quiet. We can't be like the seven churches that end up in ruin and rubble. This is a generational church. This is going to be fuller and bigger and better in the next generation than it is in my generation. The next pastor will lead us to a whole nother level. Why? Because the next pastor will be handpicked by God first. He'll show them to me. And I'm telling you, this next pastor is going to light it on fire because we're not going to let this church end up to be a, you know, yeah, I remember when church on the move. There's some big old churches in our town that are beautiful, big old churches. They got a hundred people maybe in them. They seat thousands because they forgot who the Lord of their life was. And they yielded to this culture. They got quiet, and then after they got silent, Satan said, okay, I've quiet, I've silenced them, now I'm going to get them to accept. And Satan's working the church. Michael Todd, who's a man, he's preached some great messages, but he, but he has spoken some things recently. A lot of you young people follow him that is just not godly. It's not right. Rick Warren is way off. He's, he's gone the exact opposite of the Word of God. We can't allow it. We have to stand up. The church of Ephesus, we've already talked about. They lost their first love. They forgot how much compassion and mercy God had showed them, and they got religious. And church, let's not do that. The Smyrna, man, the church at Smyrna was warned and warned and warned. Prosecution's coming. More prosecution's coming, and they, they didn't prepare their hearts. And eventually, they, got, they gave up. They're like, man, I'm, I'm not willing to pay that price anymore. And that's why Smyrna looks like it does now. As I speak about each one of these, you can put them up there. Pergama, man, what a great church. But they had members in their church that were still worshiping idols and promoting idol worship up inside their church. Let me say something to you. There's only three types of pastors. There's shepherds. Wolves are hirelings. Hirelings don't care. They won't say anything. They're quiet. Wolves 
Man, all they want is your, your money, and they want to be famous. They want to be this. They want to be that. And they wolf people from all over. They have a wolf spirit. And then there's shepherds. And sometimes a shepherd has to step down at the pulpit and defend the sheep. And in this church, the people and the pastor would not defend the sheep and say, hold on a second, you're not going to worship idols. You're not going to promote Satan worship. You're not going to promote sexual sin in our church. You've got to go. All you have to do is read the Bible. Time and time again, the, the, the leaders of the church, the pastor and the leaders had to stand up to people and say, you can't, we're not going to allow you to do that here in our church no more. You can come as you are, but you're not going to stay as you are. God said to make disciples. So when you, when you, you come, you come as a whatever sin's on you, whatever's happened in your past, you come that way, but our job is to teach you about Jesus in the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to not leave you that way. That's called discipleship, and that's a lot harder job. That's work on our part and your part. And they forgot in Smyrna, they forgot that it comes with a price, that you're going to be attacked and talked about, and eventually the people just gave up and said, man, we can't, we can't take their criticism anymore. We're just going to become just like them. And look where they ended up. The relatives of the people that were in that church that were devout Christians are now Muslims. They worship a false god. That's how far they've fallen. Pergama, man. Wow. Smyrna forgot about persecution. Pergama allowed idol worship. Refused to repent. Refused to repent. Then Thyatira, man. They allowed a prophetess, a woman. This is, this is what's referenced in the Revelations. The woman that's referenced in Revelations over and over again is a false religion based on, guess what? Sexuality. Perverted sexuality. False religion based on that. That I know God, but I can, be, I can do whatever I want sexually. Gosh, does that not sound like today? And they let that loose in their church. I'm going to tell you right now. We accept anybody and everybody that walks through our doors. But if you're going to stay here, we have an expectation that you allow God to change your life. That you don't stay the same. And they allowed it. And there's Thyatira right there, that beautiful church, that beautiful setting. Sardis. They looked alive, but they were dead. They, they dressed up, went to church, pastor preached a message, but they were as dead as can be. No more altar calls, no more outreach. They were dead as dead can be. Whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones because they forgot the power of God's word, the power of his love, in that he was both king and priest, judge and savior. They forgot. Mm. What a shame, these beautiful, awesome churches. Then you have the Church of Philadelphia. Man, he didn't rebuke the Church of Philadelphia, just encouraged them. Don't give up, don't quit. But eventually, there came a generation that did give up and did quit. They did give up and they did quit. They needed encouragement. I want to encourage all of you, don't give up and don't quit. Don't give up and don't quit. Please don't. Then Laodicea, the final church, they were prosperous. They had tons of money. 
but they had become lukewarm because they had grown silent. They had grown silent and passive because they were so prosperous they became passive. That's the American church. That's the American revelation that we're so prosperous. We're so prosperous that the nation, the Christian church has become silent and, and many people that call themselves Christians are more loyal to their job and their money than to Jesus. And they'll compromise anything for their job and their money. I'm telling you that there's coming a day where Jesus said, mother's going to be against daughter, father against son. That there's going to be division in families just like there is now. When families say, we're Christians on this side of the family. And the other family says, well, I'll be a Christian too if you'll quit believing this. Quit believing the Bible's true. Give up on the homosexual issue. Give up on this issue. Give up on abortion. We have a right to murder babies. Give up on this and give up on that. Believe racism's in everything in America. Do you know there's over 55 million slaves right now? Across the world, 55 million slaves. You never hear any of those groups in, in anywhere in the country fighting against slavery in those nations. Yet the only nation that's ever fought for the freedom, fought a war and killed each other to end slavery is the most racist nation on the planet. Guys, that is a flat, we all know it. There's always going to be racism, but that we're the most racist nation. We're the most tolerant, God-loving, giving less racist nation in the world. In the world. The Chinese call us round eye. And they hate us because we're not like them. We're not Chinese. They hate the Japanese, the Koreans. They hate us. They hate the Africans. They hate every color. Hate us. Hate people. Guys, we all know, look around the room. Obviously, we're not the most racist nation in the world. Come on. It's time to stand up. It's time to speak. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to stand up and say, listen, we're not, we're, the word of God is the absolute truth. We love the Lord Jesus. We're surrendered to Him. We're going to take a stand on His Word. In love and truth, we're going to minister to people. And we're never going to give up, never quit, never back down. Doesn't matter what it costs us. We're never going to quit shouting at the rooftops. Jesus is Lord. He loves you, came to save you. But if you reject His mercy and reject His love, He will become judge. That's it, period. Are we going to be that church? I hope we are. I said, I hope we are. Come on, where's church on the move at this morning? I don't want ever someone to drive by and say, I remember when church on the move used to be. Gosh, never. As long as I'm breathing breath, never. And you need to say the same thing. Never, as long as you're breathing, will we become like this and be a ruin. Listen, every eye closed. If you want to, you can bow your head. We don't do this for religious purposes. This is just to remove distractions. And if, and, and if you're online, this is for you too. And I'm speaking. Guys, there's a day coming. You have to pick. You have to speak. You have to speak up. You have to pick a side.
There is no middle ground. There's no gray area. There's no, I'm a Christian, but I'm a homosexual. I'm a transgender. I'm, I'm a Christian, but I, I'm a partier, and I'm a, I'm a this, and I'm a that. I'm a Christian. No. There's only, I'm a Christian, and all the things that God says I'm supposed to be doing, all the good things, I'm going to do, I'm going to work on and work on and work on to do what God says is good for me and the people around me. And then I'm also going to work on and work on and work on because of God's love in my life, eliminating the things that God calls sin and God calls evil. And I'm going to do that with all my heart. I'm going to do that with all my heart. And I know I can't do it on my own. I need the lordship of Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need the infilling of the Holy Spirit because that's the only way I'm going to accomplish this. I need God. I need him to be my leader, my God, my Lord. I need him in order to accomplish what is good and eliminate what is evil in my life. If you're online or you're here in this room and you've never prayed that, we want to pray with you, right? All of us want to pray. Say we, that means all of us in this room. We love you. So glad you're here. So glad you're listening. Here's your opportunity. You're in the same place the people in Elijah's day was. It's always been this way. You're in the valley of decision. Choose God or Satan. That's the only two choices. Which will you serve? Who will you believe? The one that loves you or the one that hates you? God created hell for Satan and his demons. But unfortunately... If you follow him, if you serve him, you go where he goes. You're following him right to hell. But if you choose Jesus to follow him and submit to him, you'll follow him right to heaven. You get to choose. God's a God of freedom. He wants you to choose. He wants to give you a choice. If you've never prayed and accepted Jesus as the Lord, as your Savior, as your King, Surrendered your life to Him. His love, His grace, His mercy. This is a moment to do it right now. Do it right now. Or maybe you have and you've run away, walked away. Maybe through broken relationships or hurt or pain or this or that. Maybe shame, guilt. Listen, there's nothing that Jesus won't forgive you for. If you ask Him and you mean it. If you really mean it. It's not a get out of jail you know, a card or a game you're playing. If you're, if you're doing that, God sees through that. We might not be able to, but God can. But if it's sincere, God will forgive you. He'll help you. He'll clean you up. He'll change you. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you want to pray online, I'm going to ask you right now to send us a message. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Send it right now. We want to know. You need to tell people. You need to make a public confession. I, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And in this room, I'm asking on the count of three to raise your hand and say, I publicly am stating that G, I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. For the first time, or I'm coming home, and I'm, I'm just getting this relationship right. He's Lord, I'm not. My life is His. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three and then put it down, and then we're all going to pray right where you're seated, online or here. Here we go. Online, send the message. In this room, one Two, three, raise your hand up boldly and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. Thank you all over this room. 
That's incredible. Let's pray with all of them, church. Come on, let's pray. Say this. Say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone. I believe you sent Jesus to rescue us, save us from the tyranny, the slavery of sin in our lives and set us free to live the life you created us for. I believe that. I believe Jesus, you died for my sins. Only you could do it. And that you were raised from the dead. And you're alive. And because I believe that, I ask you, God, in Jesus' name, to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. And I receive because I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. My life is not my own. I surrender it to you just as you surrendered your life to save me. I surrender. And I receive the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me to teach me your word, to teach me how to live life and life to the full in this life until I see you in heaven. Thank you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for his goodness. He's so good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.